This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. Welcome into ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Into the Ingles Studios, it is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green is here as well. In this hour of the program brought to you by Ingles. Low prices, love the savings. Oh, we got the NFL. I I, I mean, I, I what I want to really get into... In this segment, Jeremy, is to talk about this Russell Wilson thing with the Carolina Panthers. We talked about it some this morning in the sportsocracy of could the Carolina Panthers do something stupid, as you like to put it? Will they go above and beyond to try to make a Russell Wilson deal happen this offseason? We got college basketball to talk about, the NBA as well. I want to get into uh, later on in the program talking about. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and this uh, this air of or these these upset fans. They're saying that it's not fair that all of these big names can just get bought out of their contracts and then go join these super teams. Well, I guess they haven't been paying attention for the last four years because this is not new. Right. <laughs> There's a whole lot of this. It's not fair going around NBA circles today, and uh, it, it's it's really kind of weighing on me. We'll get into the Elite Eight. We got that kicking off this evening as well in college basketball. March Madness, sadly, coming to an end. Although Jeremy's ready for it to be over. Uh, Yeah, I was ready for it to be over about five (laughs) minutes into that Michigan game yesterday. As his Florida State Seminoles got drugged by Michigan. It wasn't good. It was not a great day. not Not a great weekend for the ACC. Syracuse and Florida State both ducking out of the tournament and Kind of embarrassing fashion. Now, I, now I can't say anything. My my team ducked out in embarrassing fashion as well. So I'm not trying to throw barbs here. I'm just saying. I it wouldn't care if you were. <laughs> as bad as it got, I, I don't really have a right to say anything. <laughs> uh, but interesting conversation we were having before the show. So we're gonna carry it on live here on the uh, on the radio program. Is the coaches that are left in the Elite Eight? There's a lot of talent. On those on those sidelines, which is you know you shouldn't be shocked. Great coaching wins basketball games, but it does get you know it, it's a very it's a very tight group save for one. Uh, there's one outlier where you go, oh yeah, what's the coach at Oregon State's name? <laughs> for those keeping score at home, his name is Wayne Tinkle. Mm-hmm. You got to give him credit. You've gotten this far. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, nobody expected this team. I think this team was actually voted uh, by the media to finish last in the Pac-12 this year. Well, they had virtually every year. This is a historically bad program. Right. And then they pulled together, you know, three wins in the Pac-12 tournament to win the championship. Now they've got three wins in the NCAA tournament, and they're in the Elite Eight. It's one of the greatest Cinderella stories that I don't think is getting a whole lot of attention. Because it's just not sexy. Because it's Oregon State. It's, it's Oregon the State dregs basketball. Of the, 
Right. It's it's the or I mean it's the dregs of Power Five conferences. If this team were the best team in, say, I don't know, the MVC, they'd be the Cinderella story of the tournament. I'll tell you a fun story about Oregon State and why they're not getting any notoriety. Uh, This is the second time that they've made the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. since I was able to talk. (laughs) The other one was 2016. and And it's all due to Wayne Tinkle. Which improves his stock in the uh, in in the coaching carousel here, uh, so or not the carousel, but the uh, the coaching stock left in the elite eight. We'll rank them coming up. He's without a doubt the tallest coach left in. Uh, Is he really a six ten? Jeebus. Yeah, he played at. I want to say he played at. It'll come to me. Yeah. Was it a program we've ever heard of? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> Montana. I knew it was there somewhere. Yeah, he was a center at Montana. He's 16. Oh, okay. All right. So a guy who started his coaching career at his alma mater and then and then parlayed that into one of the worst power five jobs in the country. Awesome. Hey, he's gotten him to the tournament twice. That's more than any of his predecessors yeah, can really say. Absolutely. I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. I'm saying he's uh, he's making a play to to get out of that category. Because I think you know you 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 make a run with Oregon State to the Elite Eight. There are going to be a lot of other schools that are going to go. Uh, maybe we need that guy. We should probably talk to that guy. He seems to know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, will the Carolina Panthers do something stupid and try to force a trade for Russell Wilson? This is interesting to me because well we 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 all know we all know how this uh, how this all started day after the season ended. With Matt Rule saying there's Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to have an amazing offseason if he wants to be the quarterback of this team. And then from there it went through, we are going to offer Teddy Bridgewater up in every possible deal we can to try to make some kind of change at quarterback. I still say Detroit should have taken that deal. You get the eighth pick and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. They seem to really actually believe in Jared Garf. Have you heard the latest well, rumor with, with the guy that drafted Jared Garf is in their front office now? Have you heard the latest rumor with Russell Wilson? This is part of the reason that we're talking about this here. Now the Seahawks are flirting with the idea of bringing back Richard Sherman. <laughs> okay. You know why that's a problem, right? No. Why because he called Russell Wilson a goody two-shoes on his way out the door. Uh-huh. There was a big fracture between the offense and the defense because Russell was the company man. And, yeah. Hmm. Everything Seattle's doing, and I, I can't tell you what their intention is. Right. I can tell you if you want me to think you're not wanting to do something, you're doing a very poor job of it. <laughs> Just trying to make Russell as uncomfortable as possible. Well, this is, is that- a this is a jab. I mean, oh, there's yeah. no doubt this is a jab at Russell Wilson. Oh yeah, and I mean this is not me reading into anything. This is literally the number one story in the uh, uh, sports story on the New York Post right now. This was a huge divorce when it went away, mm-hmm. and all the rumors were that there was a big fraction and that the defense didn't hang out with the offense, and it was all centered around Russell Wilson. And now you flirt with bringing that guy back. Why would I mean, you do you, that? I mean, are you shocked to hear that, though? I mean, Russell Look, Wilson like doesn't Russell strike Wilson. me as the hangout with the guys kind of type. I, I like Russell a lot. I do, too. 
I just have gotten to the point with Seattle that it seems like all of the dominoes are falling, and there's very little still hanging out there. Mm-hmm. And outside of Sam Darnold, Russell Wilson's really the only thing that I'm going. But do they though? <laughs> but is he gonna? But I, there's just been a lot here. I still don't think, you know, if you force me to make a to 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 make the prediction, I still don't think Russell Wilson's going to move this offseason. I don't think that it's financially. I mean, I know it's fine. Anything's financially possible in the NFL these days. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are showing us that. Anything's Kansas City Chiefs put them in that in that same category. Anything's yeah, possible financially. The two of you are just printing money. We know. <laughs> Well, if they can play the game, everybody else can play the game as well. But um, I just don't, I, I really don't see it. And and all of this talk of, you know, the, the weird things that they're doing and the fact that Russell wasn't in the letter that was sent out to the season ticket holders. And I don't know what the end game here is. I, I, I and don't I can't either. telegraph it. I, That's I don't the either. problem for me. And here's the thing. We've heard story after story after story. That the Chicago Bears still believe that there's a path to them getting Russell Wilson. <laughs> What's my favorite question to ask on this show? Who wants you to know? Who wants you to know that? Because mm-hmm. it's not the Bears. The Bears have the old red rifle out here saying, they told me I was the starting quarterback. <laughs> I'm sure they did. And if Russell Wilson becomes available, that's not going to be the case anymore. So, I mean, I don't think it's the Bears that are putting this out there. So the question then becomes, is it Seattle or is it, Russell Wilson and his representation. Mm-hmm. And that I don't know the answer to. But then you look at all the things that Seattle's done and you go, if you don't want me to think this, right. you are the worst marketing department in the history of creation. No doubt. No doubt. Everything they have done leads you to believe that they don't want this to end well. And here's the thing. You were talking about the money. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much this costs them if they do it after June 1? If they designate no, this as a post-June 1 deal. I know if they did it now, it'd be like $40 million. $40 million if they do it pre-June 1. Right. If it's designated as a post-June 1 trade, mm-hmm. it's $13 million. That's it? Yep. Wow. And it saves them 19 Okay. It becomes a lot more, e- that pill becomes a lot more easy to swallow. But there's one great big caveat of this, okay. and it's the thing I haven't been able to get away from the whole time. Mm-hmm. You don't own your first-round pick next year. If right. they trade Russell Wilson, they're one of the five worst teams in the, in the NFL. Right. I don't they care just what handed, you wind yeah. up with. And they just handed the Jets a lottery ticket. <laughs> For with Jamal the, Adams. With the, the Jamal Adams that just keeps on giving. Right. I don't know. If you, if you had asked me last year, uh, and last year when the deal happened, when Jamal Williams got traded, I Adams. said this. What did I say? Jamal, Jamal Williams. Williams. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I like the fat guys. Uh, I've all. <laughs> Uh, Jamal Adams, when Jamal Adams was traded, I said that's a good deal because these these picks are going to be late because you're you're Seattle, you're going to be good. Now it's a real great question. Can we be real honest here? Yes. How good is Seattle with him? I mean, honestly, are they? Are they though? Yeah, they just think about their own last year. Think about their own division. Okay, name me the team in that division that has not gotten better. The Rams certainly have. Granted. The Cardinals certainly have. Yes. Depending on what rumor you believe about the San Francisco 49ers taking Mac Jones at three, they might have. Right. They're certainly not going to wind up with Nick Mullins starting this year, so I would say that's a market improvement. True. 
Are you really that good even with him? Yes. You are that good. You are that good with him. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> you're, 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 you're getting ahead of yourself here. Think about, yes, they are, they are the fourth best team in their division. But their division also is going to rule the rest of the NFC. Even if they're the worst team in their division, they're still probably going to be what? The sixth best, seventh best team in the NFC? You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the south. You got the Green Bay Packers out of the north. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys? I like the Cowboys. I would put everybody in that division, in, in the NFC West. I would put them in that group with those three teams. They're still the seventh best team, even if they're, you know, even if they don't do anything else to improve. All right, let's play the stupid game that, that, that I've always thought is funny. Okay. Let's look at who they play next year. <laughs> okay. I've already told you the, the six games within the division. Yes, so yes. I'm, uh, we're taking those out. Yes. Bears. Yeah, that's a win. I don't know that. Yeah, that's a win. Think about that line trying to stop Khalil Mack. Okay. I'm playing devil's advocate okay. here. All right, all right. The Lions, that's a win. That's a win. Jaguars, that's a win. Yeah. Titans, not no, so much. No, no. Saints. That's that's a win. Are you sure about that? Where is it? Are you, that one is, is in it? Seattle. Yeah, that's a win. But are you sure about that, though? Yeah. Are I you positive? So. You have to bet your house on it. You that confident? I believe so. You yeah. shouldn't be. This is why you should never wager. You I, I, the that's bet- why I don't. Leave the betting things <laughs> yes, to me. This is why I don't. And then on the road, they play the Packers, Vikings, Texans, Colts, and Washington football team. There's three losses in that. Yeah, I could make yeah. an argument that this is a 6-10 and 10 team with him. No, 17. Can, 17 games. Oh, 6 and 11. <laughs> Sorry. No, this I don't, is not I don't a 6 and 11 I don't know who their 17th opponent, their 17th game is against. This is, and I don't really care if I'm being really honest. This is a 10 and 17. It's a 10 and 17 just based on the offense. Mm, I don't know that it is. <laughs> I don't know that it is. You said that last year, though. Mm-hmm. They went to the playoffs and got shellacked in the first well, that's round. That's fine. That's that's fine. I, and they can go to the playoffs and they get shellacked again next year. What I'm saying is, this is a team that if they don't make any moves, that pick is still going to be in the 20s somewhere. I'm not as convinced of that. Yeah. Okay. They're going to be in a wild card race with two teams in the NFC East that we have. We just did this. Yes. Our NFC East free agent greats out on YouTube right now mm-hmm. at the Sportsocracy. Uh we both said we like what the Giants did. We yes. like what the Cowboys did. Yes, and the football team. Well, that's the division winner, in my opinion. Okay. So now you're in this nebulous with the Cowboys and the Giants and the Vikings and the Bears and the Panthers. I'm not sure how many of those teams you're better than. Right. And there's part of me that really thinks Seattle's looking around going, we're in trouble. We boo-booed making this trade for Jamal Adams. If there's one thing I know definitively right now, if you could get the brain trust of the Seattle Seahawks in a room yeah. and give them a truth serum and say, and ask them one simple question: If you could undo the Jamal Adams deal right now, would you do it? They would all aggressively say, "Uh huh, absolutely, immediately, absolutely." Is that but, available? Can we do that? <laughs> but hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's before all of this was See, Russ to me, that started. Wasn't hindsight. And, I said that immediately, and he was on my team. Hmm. I knew how good he was, and I didn't care. Right. You remember the analogy that I made? Mm-hmm. This is like your house, the, the foundation of your house is eroding and you put a new roof on it? Yes. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No. 
and that's what I, that's where I think all this leads to is the reason that they're putting this all out there is because they know there's still chairs left. Right. The Broncos still need a quarterback. So do the Panthers. So do a couple other teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bears are another one. Yeah. <laughs> they have their guy, though, in Andy. In Andy oh, totally. He's oh, yeah. QB1, baby. The all high five. As soon as he one. said yes, they went, you're Super Bowl. So, this uh, is Super Bowl. So all of this talk aside, the Carolina Panthers. If you're the Carolina Panthers, are you going to make this move? Let's talk about it up next right here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. You're in the sports tank. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Welcome back into the program, ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The sports tank with Jeremy Green. So Russell Wilson, will he leave, won't he leave the Seattle Seahawks? I still don't think it's going to happen. But if a team does seem desperate enough, they could try to do something stupid. And the Carolina Panthers have one big tie to Russell Wilson, and that's the guy who scouted him, the head of the college scouting department for the Seattle Seahawks when they drafted Russell Wilson out of Wisconsin was Scott Fitterer, who is now the GM for the Carolina Panthers. So how much does he believe in Russell Wilson and how much is he willing to give up? Well, and the, the, the onus of this conversation is Seattle's trying to tell you something. And that's basically, we're, we're open for business if you're willing to do something dumb. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, how dumb are we talking? Because what would it cost? Right. Well, we already know uh, from what's been reported that they turned down three ones and two starters from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, but you got to understand there's, there's more to that. Okay. Because they're both expensive starters. They're yeah. not young starters either. That's very true. So now the question becomes, and the pick was at, at 20. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, all right, now you can get to eight. And now you're at eight. Does that it, Does that intrigue them more? I would say yes. Absolutely. Eight, 2022, first-round picks, mm-hmm. two young defensive stalwarts, whether it's Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns. Start talking about those Now guys. we're talking about, hmm. Right. Now that becomes a little more intriguing. Mm-hmm. I feel like both of those guys would uh, would fit into the, the system of Seattle pretty Absolutely. well. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I don't disagree with you. The question is, are you willing to pay the premium for Russell Wilson? I just don't know that he's worth it. Oh, he's 100% worth is it. Is he worth it? Uh, he's 100% worth does it. Does he make them Super Bowl contenders? Yes. If he does that? Yes. Really? Immediately. That offense would be that good. Hmm. Okay. You have a top five in the NFL, no doubt quarterback, throwing to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore with Christian McCaffrey behind him. Yes, that's a right. That is a very formidable team. Now, I can you that. stop anybody? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> See, that's the question. Do, I mean, will he end up being in a similar situation that he was this past year in Seattle, where the defense is not good enough to stop anybody at that point? And with the Carolina Panthers, I mean... I don't think fans are really going to like it if you have to give up Brian Burns for that. I got news for you. They won't care. This is the best quarterback that you've ever had in franchise history. No doubt. It's not even worth talking about. Right. If you're upset about that, then you obviously... (laughs) 
We, we need to have a talk about how Super Bowls are won. Right. Because Brian Burns and, and guys of the like, pass rush, situational pass rushers, have never been the reason the team won a Super Bowl ever. Won't we get a guy like Russell Wilson? They can done. play a big piece, though. That's they the, can play a piece. Your definition of big and mine are different. <laughs> All right, how big of a piece to the championship this past year was the pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? If you're about to compare Shaq Barrett to uh, Brian Burns, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. What's your definition of a big piece? If Tom Brady's not playing quarterback, I don't care if they had. Uh, I don't care if no, Bruce Smith was on the other side. Don't even go there. Don't, don't, don't tell me that you don't think Blake Bortles could have led this team to a championship. <laughs> it's the most important position in football. Yes, absolutely. And this is one of the only pieces that's still out there. And, and, mm-hmm. and I cannot wrap my head around why Seattle has still not come out and said we're not doing anything. Right. We must soothe this situation. And what do they do instead? They go, hey, you know that guy that, that really threw you under the bus when he left? We think we're going to bring him back. Do I believe that's going to happen? No. Right. I don't believe it's going to happen either. But it's out there for a reason. We know it for a reason. True. And I firmly believe that everything they've done, because everything they've done since this season ended has been a shot at Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Or at least I can read it that way. Mm-hmm. Not saying that was the intention, but I can read every bit of it that way. Right. And so now I'm getting to the point of, what are we missing? There, there's a there's a piece to this that we're not seeing. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, the, the more and more I think about it, the more and more it becomes, this could be a real reality for the Carolina Panthers. The, here's what I think the real reality is. Mm-hmm. I think San Francisco, or uh, Seattle, I mean, looks around the room and goes, we're not a Super Bowl team. Russell's 33 years old, and there is absolutely nothing we can do that will make this a Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. The line is bad, and the defense is markedly worse. How what, much what are you going to do? How much longer do you have left on? Does Russell Wilson have left on his deal? Through this, this year plus two more. This year plus two more. He'll be 36 years old when this deal runs out. Okay, which means Carolina would be in a position to pay him again. Well, and the, the other part of this you got to look at is how many teams were. Calling on Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I understand he's younger. I understand that. He also has no Super Bowl rings, mm-hmm. and he's never won a thing in the Being NFL. eight years younger, though, it, it does matter. Mm, does it, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Being eight years younger and... I'm not saying it. Let me, I shouldn't have phrased that that way. Does it matter 100%? Is Russell Wilson currently, in the future and in the present, a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson? Yes. That's not even debatable. Yes. And I feel like there are a lot of teams that think they're that guy away. And I think Seattle sat back and watched it and went, hmm. Oh, you know, crazy idea here, but what if we just blew this up? Mm-hmm. Well, the more and more it's looking like, and the reason that I that I wanted to talk about this is because it's looking like the Carolina Panthers may not have that franchise quarterback available at eight. I would say the only one you're going to have the opportunity to draft at eight is Justin Fields. Woof. That's all I got to say. I don't want to hinge my franchise on that. Well, he doesn't fit in Joe Brady's offense at all. It's predicated on quick decision-making, accurate throws. Mm -hmm. That's the reason they were so in on Mac Jones. Well, unfortunately, Mac Jones is probably going to be gone at three because that appears to be who the San Francisco 49ers traded up to get. Exactly. 
the sports tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. All right, we, uh, we've been talking about old fighters getting back in the ring. Oscar De La Hoya has announced his comeback. He's going to be a part of Snoop Dogg's uh, Triller Fight Club thing. This is the same organization that put together the uh, Roy Jones-Tyson fight, right? At 48 years old, how much of a draw can Oscar De La Hoya really be? That, that's my real question. Jeremy, would you pay to see Oscar De La Hoya fight again? No. Okay. No, I would not. I wanted to make sure, because you are a boxing fan. I love boxing. And And I loved Oscar De La Hoya. And I'm not interested at all. Now, he announces that he is going to return and that he is going to be fighting on July the 3rd for Triller. Don't know who he's going to fight. Don't know what weight they're going to fight at. This is just another exhibition bout. I'm not understanding this whole celebrity fight club thing. I couldn't believe that the Tyson Jones fight was the eighth highest selling boxing pay-per-view of all time. Did you know that? Say that one more time. The Tyson Jones fight was the eighth highest selling boxing pay-per-view of all time. I would be lying if I said that surprised me. <laughs> it surprises me. That's why uh, That's why I brought this up. It's not because Oscar De La Hoya. I think we had already heard this before, that he was going to be making his comeback. But that this celebrity boxing thing has already turned out a fight that is the eighth highest bought pay-per-view ever for boxing. And I don't know how many people are going to be on board for this next fight that's coming up on April the 17th. It's This is the one with uh, Jake Paul and uh, Ben Askren, where the YouTuber is going to fight an actual fighter. And that's not going to go well. <laughs> but they are putting all the glitz and glamour around this thing. Uh Apparently, Pete Davidson, Snoop Dogg, Mario Lopez, supermodel Taylor Hill, uh, internet stars Dixie and Charlie Diamello are going to all be a part of this thing. And there are going to be performances from Justin Bieber and the Black Keys and Doja Cat. It's like a concert mixed in with celebrity boxing. Hard pass. I'm I'm going hard (laughs) pass on this. You mean you mean you don't even want to see the premier performance of hip hop supergroup Mount Westmore? Uh, I'm in, in the words of the great Randy Jackson. That's going to be a no from me. <laughs> With Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Too Short, and E Forty. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on all of that. It's the first you time. lost me at Internet Sensation. <laughs> <laughs> the eighth highest selling pay per view of all time. And Oscar De La Hoya, I mean, he is a draw. He's not Mike Tyson, but he is a draw. That could easily come in at, what, 16th? I surely hope not. (laughs) I was going to tell a story in this segment about uh, Urban Meyer saying that they're trending in the direction of selecting Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. But I think we all already knew that. (laughs) So I'm I'm going to go with the craziest person in the NFL. Okay. Former Browns coach Hugh Jackson said owner Jimmy Haslam gave him a contract extension midway through a winless 2017 season 
and that he was lied to from the from the start about the team's rebuilding plans. He went on ESPN 850 today and just rambled nonsensically for 15 minutes. Really? He claims that he and Haslam agreed to a contract extension, but Haslam refused to report it to the media. So what he's claiming is somewhere out there, there's a contract that he gave to Jimmy Haslam, and then Jimmy Haslam just locked it in his safe or something. Like, (laughs) nope, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't see it. Burn it. Lost it. Dog ate it. I mean, he went crazy saying that this was a teardown and it was an, it was supposed to be football with analytics and it became football versus analytics and that all these players we drafted they're not even in the league anymore mm-hmm. uh-huh yep uh, we all know that that's how you lost none your job. of this is news to us right there might <laughs> I, I listened to this whole thing just going do you know that microphone's on like you understand that we can hear you right yeah you might be the single worst coach in NFL history. You're certainly in the discussion of it. And you go, the part that I can't wrap my brain around is, we agreed to a contract extension, and then we just, ah, Jimmy Haslam said we weren't allowed to talk about it. Right. Would that not be, let's say that's true, of which I don't believe it for a second, but let's say it was. Would that not raise some red flags to you? Definitely. Like you're you're going to sign your contract extension and you're doing it in the boiler room for some reason. <laughs> it's like I feel like there should be cameras here. Shouldn't what? there be a lawyer present? Why are we doing this in the bathroom on the fourth floor? I, I feel like this is a weird place for a contract <laughs> signing. That's hilarious. I, I mean, but the it, fact it that, actually gets worse. Why, than why that. did we even get in this room? Like how in the middle of a winless season did you even get in this room to sign said contract? That's no why clue. I'm calling BS, because I don't think old Jimmy Haslam is going to be all too thrilled signing a quarter, uh, signing a coach to an extension that hasn't won a game yet. Oh, there uh, there are a lot of people calling uh, that. On yeah. this. this has been trending on Twitter since it happened. He's also writing a book about his time with the Browns. Oh wow, this should be fun. I, I it, it, I've already got my. Uh, I, I pre-ordered my copy. <laughs> I can't. I am can't waiting. With, how to read? I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> The Hugh Jackson years. Nobody cares at home without Baker Mayfield. And you feel like you've you've said this before. You feel like Hugh Jackson is a good coach, right? I think Hugh Jackson is a smart coach. Okay. I think he is one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. Okay, and I think he put a lot of trust in a lot of people that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And now, after hearing this, I think he might be a stark raving crazy person. <laughs> might be a little vision into why it did just didn't work out. We signed the contract, but we weren't allowed to talk about it. Phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It's phenomenally stupid if you think about I it. I just really want him to name that book At Home Without Baker Mayfield. Aww. Why would he I mean, why would he take a jab at Baker? At this point Because it's fun. He's same the, reason I do. At at this point, he's the bigger joke, though. Hugh Jackson is the bigger joke between him and Baker Mayfield. Come on. It's close. <laughs> I will say it's close. I mean, it's not for me. Uh, oh, I, know for it's me. Not, I know it's not for you personally. I mean, you go after Baker Mayfield on Twitter all the time. Not and, anymore. Uh, well, uh, he blocks you Hashtag every blocked. six months. Is that what, what no, the cycle you're on? Just twice. That's kind of my point. Hashtag miss you, Baker. <laughs> we know that. But, I mean, when you're talking about jokes, I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns are the biggest joke in all of this. 
obviously. I think I think this past year has done a lot to ease some of that because we actually are starting to believe that this is a real thing. We oh, all, it's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. It's the Cleveland real. Browns are a real thing. It's Come on. Thing. Are they getting ready to have to pay Baker Mayfield? Yes. Are they currently paying Baker Mayfield? No. Okay. So you think it's going to get better? Now he's now he's going to make 30-some-odd million dollars a year, and you think it's going to get better? No, it's not going to get better. But what I'm saying is this is going to be a blip where five years from now we're going to be like, hey, remember when the Cleveland Browns were a thing? For that brief moment in the first two years or three years of Kevin Stefanski's reign as the head coach there, they were a thing. And then it all fell apart when they had to start paying Baker Mayfield. We know we can already see the light at the end of the tunnel here for the Cleveland Browns. Which is kind of, well, I guess maybe we can see the tunnel coming. Maybe that's a better way would, to put would you, that. Would you like to hear some of these uh, some of these draft picks that Hugh Jackson's referring to? Oh, yes. So he was the coach for, of the Browns from 2016-2018. Okay. Uh, Corey Coleman. You, oh. you hear that one? That one was fun. Oh. Uh, that oh, was a sweet see. one. David Njoku. That was in that year they had three first-round picks. Oh, he still hasn't and those a were, chance. Those were on a fun sliding scale because it started with Miles Garrett. Well, that was good. And Jabril Peppers. Mm-hmm. Not as good. David Njoku. Ooh. And then you had that fun second-rounder of Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that was a good one. Remember those days? That was a good one. That was right after the Brady Quinn days, wasn't it? Uh, no, Brady Quinn was further back than that. Was it? Was it? And this was after the Johnny Manziel days. Yeah. Ah, the Browns are fun. They just, they just <laughs> keep that's what I'm stuff. talking about. They, they have this continual punching bag of the NFL thing. They can't even get a break. Like, they were a playoff team last year. I mean, beat the crap out of the Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. They didn't mean to. <laughs> they did that by accident. See, this is what I'm saying. They can't, they can't even get a break with you. No, they did that by accident. And then they've done some good things in this offseason. John Johnson coming in is a is a big deal. Yeah. And now this is going to be a, I mean, they're going to be what? Fourth best team in the AFC next year? Yeah, they're a Maserati. Unfortunately, it's being driven by a penguin. So it's, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't have great faith. And unfortunately, birds aren't real. Hashtag birds aren't real. <laughs> Stop that. I have a good bird story for the second hour. Speak, oh, I can only, I can, we can only wait. The, the, but the Carolina Panthers, uh, I mean, they're not the only team with a quarterback issue here. No, but there's not that many left. No, you've got the Denver Broncos that are right behind them at nine. Who desperately want another quarterback. Mm-hmm. They want a quarterback not named Drew Locke. Right. There, yeah. there have been reports that the Washington football team is still in the hunt for a quarterback, that they can, they wouldn't rule out taking a quarterback at 19. Yeah, that's their way of saying if Justin Fields falls all the way to 19, we might do this again. <laughs> After the Dwayne Haskins thing, they'll, they'll go down that path again. Uh, I, that will be a very tough sell of another Ohio State quarterback. Absolutely. I, I don't think I would want to try to sell that to the fan base, but, you know, Not go ahead. You got the Chicago Bears at 20. Aside from that, everybody else is settled. Well, you got the Houston Texans too. Yeah, but they're not doing anything. They're they're not getting anybody. Uh, what do you think? You're just gonna ride with Tyrod Taylor? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, you might not be wrong. Yeah. 
I said it was going to be AJ McCarron. But Gerard Taylor is the starter of that of that team week one next year. I agree with that. I I don't see any way around it because something's going to happen with this Deshaun Watson thing, and he's going to be suspended or he's going to sit out or I, I have no idea where it's going. But I got a good feeling week one next year you're going to see Terod Taylor out there. It's entirely possible warming up. But I think this is kind of part of why they signed him is that they didn't know how the Deshaun Watson thing was going to go. So, you know, you move all the musical chairs. We got to have somebody back here, and it's darn sure not going to be A.J. McCarron. I told you that wasn't going to happen. You didn't want to believe me. But the Terod well, he was Taylor, already there. Well, I know. It, it made, I mean, well, now granted, new regime, all, all of those things. Yeah. I, I get it. But the Terod Taylor thing to me is it was one of the best insurance policies. That, it's the only good thing that the Houston Texans have done all season. I'll tell you another one that's, uh, that this just, it makes me giggle. And it's the reason I'm imparting this mm-hmm. because it's really hot on the Twitterverse right now. Team that could be interested in, in Russell Wilson, the Philadelphia Eagles. What would they offer? Uh, who cares what they would offer? In what universe is Russell Wilson, who has a no-trade clause, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles going, yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah I want to do that. That looks like fun. I'm going to give up DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for uh, Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham. Mm-hmm. That sounds that'd be Qu- fun. And Quez Watkins. You can't forget him. That'd be fun. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. <laughs> No, the Philadelphia Eagles are not in the hunt. It's just, it's comical. It's so funny to me that we get to this point. And the NFL takes over the landscape to such a point that every show on on these radio waves is Mm -hmm. hypothesizing about where Russell Wilson could go. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, what else are you going to talk about? You want to talk about Andre Drummond and his effect on the Lakers? Oh no! I, I mean, I mean, we're going to get to that in the second hour. Are we yeah, Are we yeah, I think we got to talk uh, about I it. Mean, we can talk about the buyout thing because that really is the onus of what I just said. Yeah, is that it's become such a story, mm-hmm. and it's comical to me because we've been doing this for years, for a long time. This is right. not new, right? Well, you got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the other one now. Now, now it's even though John Lynch has said he's By our, the way, New he's England's our the team you forgot there. Yeah, you, New England. You're, uh, you're forgetting. Yeah. There's another team that really badly needs a quarterback. And <laughs> oh, they got Cam Newton. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Fourteen million dollars. Yeah, we'll just we'll just do that. It'll be fun. Yes, or not. But Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, even though the San Francisco 49ers have said he's our guy next year. There's still everybody talking. Well, you've got the number three pick in the draft. If you've fallen in love with Mac Jones, as is the story right now, well, we are being led to believe that he is the guy that they traded up for. Then what are you going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? And now it's uh, the reports are saying that the New England Patriots are back in the game for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I doubt it. I very highly doubt it. I don't know that they're going to give up enough assets for would they give up the 15th pick they wouldn't have to to get jimmy you wouldn't have to what would you have to give up what's his price a two i would say it's a two all right because they gave up what two twos to get him before we knew what he was yeah now he's paid and we know what he is Mm -hmm. and that's a what what do we know what he is 
he's a back end of the top 20 quarterback in the NFL when he's healthy. And he's very rarely ever healthy. That is a spot-on analysis. <laughs> I can't disagree with anything you just said. because, uh, But I still feel like he's a, he's a guy that can lead a team to the playoffs. I don't think he's ever going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. He's markedly better than Cam Newton, I'll give you that. Which, by the way, uh, David Gettleman's, or, or excuse me, not David Gettleman, the owner of the New York Giants saying that Daniel Jones is a Super Bowl winning quarterback really made me laugh. Uh, what else what, what else do you expect him to say? <laughs> we just gave him every toy in the world. If he's not good now, he's bad, period. Right. There's my analysis of the New York Giants. <laughs> I mean, you can believe you you can believe in your quarterback without saying something dumb. But people and agreeing don't. to that is, yeah. but people don't. It's not what we do, right? You're right. We live in a hyperbole world. I mean, read the comments of videos that we do, mm-hmm. where we get told that we're morons and we don't know what we're talking about, and they make me laugh to no end. It is one of my favorite things to do is go back and read the comments. Mm-hmm. I tried to tell him not to. Don't get lost in the comment oh, section. It's, so good. it's a bad idea oh, it's on everything. So it's one of my favorite things to do. I like to just sit on the patio with a cocktail, mm-hmm. light a cigar, and just get lost in a world of imagination. <laughs> but see, we we gin all of this up in the sports media of oh, if this chair moves, then you have to you know you have to move bodies. And I don't think that's necessarily so. Like, I believe the San Francisco 49ers when they say they're going to hold on to Jimmy G. That's cute. I don't think anybody, I don't think they're going to get anything of massive value for If somebody offered them a two for Jimmy Garoppolo, he would be on the plane before they put a period on that sentence. And you know it as well as I do. Oh, we don't have to pay that. There's virtually no dead cap hit to us. And we're at three, so we get to take our rookie quarterback with no worry of... Any kind of quarterback controversy, 100%. He's our guy for now. But but is Mac Jones a day one starter? I would say so, yes. Okay. I, I, would, I mean, you traded up to three. You can't. That's the uncomfortable part for San Francisco now. All right, you traded up for him. How long? If the first time Jimmy Garoppolo throws two interceptions in the first half, they will boo him out of that stadium. And people, if I learned anything over the weekend, it's when you let people back into public, they're very mouthy. Right. (laughs) They have opinions that they have not been allowed to express, and they are ready to express them. Right. It could get rowdy. Not that that's a problem. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh Uh-huh. It could get rowdy for Jimmy G if he comes out playing horribly. But I honestly just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like... You get one more shot. One more shot at what? One more shot at what? To lead this team. They're taking a rookie quarterback at three. This is Mm -hmm. that kid's Whoever that is. I mean, we're assuming it's Mac Jones. Well, yeah, because I can't imagine it'd be Justin Fields. Well, it's not Justin Fields. I'm I'm still not 100% told it's not Trey Lance. Trey Lance makes sense keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Mac Mm -hmm. Jones does not. Okay. You see, Trey Lance is more of a more of a project. He needs He's a year. less proven. He right. needs a year. So there will be no co- quarterback controversy if that is the pick. Oh, there will be. Mm, I, I mean, I struggle to believe that. I, I know fans are going to be 
over the moon when you're, you take a guy you're that You're kidding high in the draft. me, right? The Philadelphia Eagles took a mediocre thrower in the second round, and within a year, they had to trade a guy they gave the farm up to get it to. You really think that no matter who this quarterback is, that if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and does Jimmy Garoppolo things, it, they will have to put that camera on a tripod to keep it from shaking <laughs> from the booze. <laughs> if he's bad. I don't think he has to be not great. If he's great, you get a pass. Mm-hmm. But you, th- this is the way fans work. This is the reason that as soon as they traded up and I started hearing the Jimmy's our guy, th- okay, right. that make that says Trey Lance to me. Because you can sell the fan base on this kid played at a at a one double A school. He needs a year in the system. Mm-hmm. You're not going to convince fans that the kid they watched throwing to Devontae Smith and win him a Heisman, the best receiver year we've ever seen for a college wide receiver. Right. You're not going to convince them that that guy's not better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Fan short for fanatic. I'm not yeah. saying it makes sense. I'm saying it's the way it is. Okay. All right. You're right. It doesn't make sense to me. I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, when healthy, he took this team to a Super Bowl, and you you don't give up on that easily. And I don't I don't know that I would I would pull the trigger on that deal for a two. Oh, uh, after the break, uh, it's it's ironic timing that you really? brought up this Jimmy Garoppolo. Really? I have a fun story to tell you after the break. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Also, we got Green on Green coming up next. Coffee's the closers on. Get them the money. Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the work. Fresh off a 10 and 9 week last week, 33 and 29 and 2 for the year. I have three picks for you, two in the NBA. One in college basketball. The first one, the Arkansas Raisin, Razorbacks are a seven-and-a-half-point dog tonight to Baylor. I am a sucker for an underdog, and I like this team a lot. I had Arkansas in the Final Four in my bracket. I am not changing now. Give me the Razorbacks plus the seven-and-a-half. I'll take them in the money line. I think they win this game outright. I really like Moses Moody, one of my favorite players I have seen in this tournament. The Memphis Grizzlies are an eight-point favorite against the Houston Rockets. When in doubt, bet against the Rockets. I wouldn't care if this number was 18. This team is horrendously bad. Memphis is good. They have no solution for John Morant now that, that Oladipo's gone. This is going to be a walk, and this could get ugly. Give me Memphis minus the eight. Finally, the Chicago Bulls are a one-point favorite tonight against the Golden State Warriors. I like this team with Vucevic a lot. I like Aaron Gordon in Denver better. I'm a little biased. But I do like the way this flows, having multiple playmakers. And I'm just not, I've been in on Golden State. I'm officially off the bandwagon. I'm taking the Chicago Bulls minus the one. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo in the news. As we were saying his name, it's like, it's like they heard us. So today there was uh there was a meeting with the press. GM John Lynch, head coach Kyle Shanahan, what was said? Uh this is from Nat- Nick Wagoner. He's the uh ESPN reporter for the 49ers. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said it's accurate that the team is planning to keep Jimmy Garoppolo barring being blown away by an offer. Oh. And the walking it back has already begun. <laughs> All right, uh, let's have a monkey knife fight real quick. 
All right, go to monkeyknifefight.com, create your account today, and don't forget to use our promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. They'll, give, they'll match your initial investment up to $50 and give you a $5 free play for tonight's game. I am playing the more or less 3.6x multiplier in the Houston Rockets-Memphis Grizzlies game. I will take less than 23.5 points for John Wall. More than 19.5 points for Ja Morant. That will take your $5 buy-in and turn it into an $18 prize. MonkeyKnifeFight.com, promo code TANK. This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm, I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM. 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Second hour of the program here. Brought to you by Wicked Weed Brewing. Wickedweedbrewing.com. Order today. You can order for pickup or delivery if you live inside the 15-mile radius of the Brew Pub in downtown Asheville on Biltmore Avenue. You can check them out at any of their four locations around the Asheville area. Wickedweedbrewing.com. Wickedweed Brewing. Drink different. The NCAA tournament didn't go well this past weekend for ACC teams. Syracuse loses. Then Florida State loses. Both <sighs> lost pretty handily. To, to their opponents. It would have been really nice if we could have figured out how to defend a slip screen. It's all that about one too many times. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, of course, handling Florida State yesterday. You just couldn't hit any shots. They just weren't falling. It was like it was like the first round of the tournament all over again. You're, what, 0 for 9 in the first round of the tournament? How many did you hit yesterday? Two? Uh. N- no, Malik Osborne hit four. I think we hit five total. Okay. I know there was there was a great portion of the game that you were still over. It was from not, downtown. It, it was not good. Seventy six fifty eight was the final score. Leonard Hamilton saying bye in the uh, in, in the elite or excuse me in the Sweet Sixteen. Jim Beheim also great coach. Would rank right up there with the greatest coaches in college basketball right now. But, or of all time, actually. But, they say goodbye in the Sweet 16. Coaching is very, very important to winning in college basketball. We all know this. If you look at the eight teams that are left in the tournament, I mean, they all have proven coaches. And yes... I'm throwing Oregon State's coach into that. Wayne Tinkle. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not so sure of that. Okay. All right. All I'm saying is Wayne Tinkle. We started the, conver- the, the conversation of who? how would you rank this class of coaches? Because they are all great. Except for maybe Wayne Tinkle. Oregon State is not a they're not a basketball power. So they don't get a lot of you know they don't get not a lot of basketball they, they power variety. Is, that might be the nicest way you could have put that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I do my best try, try to try not to hurt people's feelings on this show, the exact opposite of what you do. Ah, I'm just honest. You know, <laughs> honesty's fun. 
Uh, I just don't sugarcoat everything things. I said was was honest. It was true. They are not a basketball power by any stretch of the imagination. No, but you're here and you've got a shot. But think about it not this way: not much of one, but you have a shot. Wayne Tinkle has led the Oregon State Beavers to a Pac-12 Conference Championship tournament championship. Excuse me. Uh, and now has them on the cusp of the Final Four. A program that we know is horrible. And here's the other thing. He has uh, more tournament appearances than some of the guys that are some of the other guys on the list. Uh, of coaches that are... Of coaches that are still alive in the Elite Eight. He's been five times. Uh-huh. He was there three times at Montana. Right. Now twice with Oregon State. Right. Who's he been more times than? Uh, well, Eric Musselman, for one. Eric Musselman's been there four times. Granted, he's been coaching in college basketball for six years. I was about to say. <laughs> he's been there four out of the six years he's been coaching. Yeah, he was college. busy coaching in the NBA for a, right. a, a very large portion of... Right. Um, Andy Enfield. He's got more appearances in the tournament than Andy Enfield. Andy Enfield's been four times. This is his fourth trip to the tournament. Well, he's only been at USC for like five years. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, he was at Florida. Eight. Is it that long? It's eight. He was at Florida Gulf Coast. Was that Gulf Florida Coast. Gulf Coast run that long ago? 2012-2013. Yes. I'm getting old. And then he and then he got the big job off the Dunk City run to, what did they make it, to the Elite Eight? Sweet 16. Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. So Florida Gulf Coast goes to the Sweet 16. Andy Enfield gets hired as the hot young coach out of Florida Gulf Coast to USC. And he's been to the tournament three times since he's been there. He's only got four appearances. Wayne Tinkle, five. Yeah, three of them were at Montana. (laughs) What are you going to discount Andy's? Because one of of his went to Florida Gulf Coast. I'm also biased because he was an assistant at Florida State for a long time. Oh, was he really? See, I did not know that. I didn't know the the Florida that's how State he got connection. The Florida, that's how he got the Florida Gulf Coast job. Okay. All all I'm saying is he's a really good recruiter, right? Wayne Tinkle. I mean, he had Montana was a year in and year out contender, and that's why he ended up getting the Oregon State job. I am I, I am really anxious to see the number that Oregon State Houston throws tonight. Oh, and the TV ratings? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be good. I, oh, yeah. I, I, don't think it's I would be wager that all. CBS is like, uh, can we put this on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> uh, no, because they need the spike from the uh, soap operas. Yee. I mean, it's not going to be the greatest game you've ever seen. I mean, two, these are two of the uh, m- most defensive efficient teams, defensively efficient teams, I guess is the way I should say that, in the tournament. Yeah, and then you have the real good game that comes. I think that game starts at what midnight. I've got to stay up till four o'clock in the morning to watch the end of this game. Mm-hmm. Ten o'clock, Baylor against Arkansas. It doesn't tip until ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like, can we not do something about that? that that's. <laughs> I love that you're finally coming over to my side. Well, I mean, I'm fine with it. Start. I can even get down with nine. This game tips off at 10 o'clock. Yeah, because and it's you not going to tip on time. Because you want to see the end of the other game. 
Do we, though? I think you need to. I don't think. You're going to have to. You know what? You have multiple channels. You can put it on. Uh, these are both on CBS, but you can throw it on True TV. I can't. I don't want to be flipping around and, uh, you know, if it, Houston and Oregon State are tied at 56 with 45 seconds to go, which is highly likely. If Houston and Oregon State are tied at 56 with 45 seconds to go, birds are real. That's not happening. You don't think so? You think Houston's no, going to win this in a while? I think this is going to get ugly i'm not i'm not putting anything past oregon state (sighs) yeah this did you take houston to cover yeah i I actually considered taking that one and i went "Mm, that's not enough number that's not enough number yeah that's gonna be one i'm gonna disagree with you on I, i mean i get that there is a there is a thought out there that Oregon State can't continue to get as lucky as they have because the teams that they've been facing have been shooting the ball horribly. Now, how much is uh, attributed to their defense and how much is attributed to just teams are off and shaken by the the fact that that Oregon State is competitive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But think about Oklahoma State in that game. I mean, they... Couldn't hit good. water off right. a bridge. Right. They were not good. But I didn't feel like it was because of Oregon State's smothering defense. No. It I was felt just like, they couldn't hit shots. Yeah, I felt like I was watching the vast majority of college basketball games. In the last six games that Oregon State has played, they have shot 41, almost 42% from three-point range. Their opponents have have gone 21% from long range. I have a feeling Quentin Grimes might be uh I, I he might put an end to that this evening. And you know what? I wouldn't I I, I wouldn't think twice about it. If I I'm not going to be shocked either way. If I see that this is a two-point game down at the end or Houston wins in a blowout, I'm not going to be shocked. I will be shocked if this is not Houston mm-hmm. in a blowout. See, I can't, I can't say any definitives because this is the this is just the the madness, the unpredictability of March to me. But then you look at the, you know, you look at the two head coaches in this game. It's obvious to me which one you should take. It's oh, Kelvin God. Sampson, and it's not even close. <sighs> but based on preference, how would you rank the coaches left in the Elite Eight? We can come to the consensus that the number one is the number one. It's, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's Mark the, Few, and it's not right. close. It's the number one team in the uh, in the nation, number one coach in the nation. And it's not close. Mark Few's number one. At number two, who's your two? Hmm. I've thought about this since you asked me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Kelvin Sampson's my two. Really? That kind of shocks me. Do you I, realize how long he's been a head coach? It's been a long time. Since the 70s? Since the se- How old do you think he is? He's like 68. Uh, he's not that old. He's 65. 65. Okay. Excuse me. Well, since the 70s, this... would mean he started at about 22. <laughs> no, he started. He actually started coaching the year I was born. 1987 at Washington wow. State. That's, a, that's even less than I thought, or even earlier than I thought. Wow. Went to a Final Four with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So he's made a Final Four appearance. 
So and this is a really good program. He's got this that. is the deepest they've been since Fast Lama Jamma. Mm-hmm. This it just has all of the makings of this is That's how right. this is going. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking at the way this sets up. And, you know, USC's, they're fun. They've got a high-level recruit that's going to be a top-five pick in the in the, uh, uh, in the the NBA draft. Yeah. And I look at UCLA, they're, they're doing stuff. It's a fun story. <laughs> and I feel the same way about Oregon State. But right. at the end of the day, if you told me it was Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Houston, am I surprised? No. 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 Although I do think Arkansas is going to be Baylor tonight. Not, I'm just going to keep saying that. Down. I'm going to will it into existence. Yeah, you're going to keep throwing that out there until you look ridiculous again. Hey, the last time I made a wager, this is a literally, this is a true story. Okay. The last time I made a wager on Arkansas was 1994. When you were what, nine? I, long story. Oh my my grandfather took me to the lake. I made $10 bets with all his friends <laughs> in Arkansas. I was going to beat Duke. <laughs> and they did. Nice. Good for you. Yeah, just was, out there hustling at nine. Yeah, that, that was six. By six, the way. whatever. Yeah, that I was. Uh, I can't do math. That was when it. That, that was when it all began. Right. So we got to blame your grandpa for that one. Nah, that's one of my most vivid memories as a child. Oh yeah. You always remember the first bet you won. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, then I ran that defense for an extended period of time. Mine didn't happen until I was twenty. So, and, and sadly <laughs> enough, that was also the last one you won. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. One and only. You're not wrong. One 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 of my one of my more spicier uh, handshake deals was San Diego Chargers over the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl in 1994. Yeah, that worked out great for me. How old were you at that point? Like 30. We I was in middle school. Yeah, didn't wager too much after that one. So just don't like handing other people money, honestly. I mean, unless I'm getting food in return. In return, Uh, yeah. (laughs) See, when you when you disarm me like that, it takes away my ability to make jokes. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do. Scott Scott Drew's my two. He's my two on this list. I think Scott Drew is the second best coach left in the Elite Eight. I get Kelvin Sampson's been around for a long time. He's had a you know a Final Four appearance. I don't know. This just. Scott Drew has had an incredible run at Baylor, and the way do you that, know how long he's been there? It's I been not since like three. I didn't real. You're exactly right. Yeah, I did not realize he had been there that long. Mm-hmm. He's been there for a hot minute, as they say. I think he's my two because he's had this team in the tournament or scratching the surface of the tournament pretty much every year he's been there. And now he's risen to a team that I believe can win a national championship. Don't think they're gonna. Unfortunately, they chose to have their greatest year the same same year that Gonzaga's having their greatest year. And I still firmly believe that Mark Few is going to have an undefeated national championship to his credit. Of all the close calls that he's had over the years. Maybe it's the gambler in me, but anytime the whole public is on one side, oh, yeah. I just can't help but go the other way. I get it. I get it. But to me, I, I still, we have gone through uh, all the way to the to the Elite Eight now, and I have yet to see a team that I think can beat Gonzaga. And I've tried to twist and turn backwards to find out, to to to, to figure out how I can get Baylor 
in that national championship spot because you you have long pointed out all this season that I have that big blind spot oh, yeah. for Baylor because Macy Oteague is on the team. But I honestly believe they're the second best team in the country. And Gonzaga, it's just they're not even close. Gonzaga's unbelievable. Right. I mean, because they can do everything. They well, here's can shoot, the thing. they can outrun you. It just, it just doesn't matter. They I mean, can, can we be really honest? Yeah, right. Arkansas has played two games in a row mm-hmm. that they should have lost. Absolutely. They should certainly have lost to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And Max Adams had a pretty good look at putting them out of this thing. Yes, he did. I must say the same thing I said in the sportsocracy this morning, 9 a.m., live on YouTube every weekday. If that kid's not an NBA player, I don't know what I'm talking about. He is good. If he And I haven't seen a lot of them in this tournament. That's been one of my big takeaways is, man, there's not a lot of, not a lot of guys that I think are going to be, I'm not even going to say impact, that I think can have long careers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Max Admus is one of them. That's a kid I look at and go, everybody on this team knows where this ball's going, and it doesn't matter. Right. All right, who's your three of the coaches left in the Elite Eight? We've got Mark Few at one. We both agree on that one. You've got Kelvin Sampson, too. I've got Scott Drew, too. Who is your three? You're not going to like this. Okay. Jawan Howard. Okay. Jawan Howard's my three. Which means Kelvin Sampson's my four, and I Scott Drew's my four. So yeah, Jawan. Here's here's why I say that Michigan's not an easy job. This is a program that's always had excised expectations since mm-hmm. the Steve Fisher era, mm-hmm. and you know some things happened. Just a few. This is a guy that's found a way to recruit at a high level, and you really have to understand what you saw with them beating Florida State yesterday. To me, Leonard Hamilton's one of the five best coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I'm a little biased because he's coached my school, but right. I think he's a fantastic coach. Jawan Howard straight out outcoached him. Now, granted, I don't think there was anything Leonard could do. This is how you play defense. So I don't think you can scrap your whole defensive plan in the Sweet 16. But he knew exactly how to attack this. And that's what I'm looking at going forward. I think Michigan's the team that can beat Gonzaga. If anybody can do it, it's Michigan. Okay. Because they have the pieces. They do. And the fact that they have been doing it without their star player. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm really looking forward to Drew Timmy trying to uh, defend Evan Mobley. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to go particularly well. Right. That's my spicy, spicy. I don't think he ends up on a poster worse than... uh, Worse than the Oregon guy, though. No, you're probably right. <laughs> that's going to be as as bad as it ever gets. Yeah, Evan I mean Mobley, that's already a meme. Yeah, Evan Mobley is uh, he's a he's a terrifying individual if you're mm-hmm. the one guarding him. But the fact that Jawan Howard is so high on our list two years into his head coaching career says a lot. I mean, I want you to think about what I'm going to say. Jawan Howard has been so good at Michigan; he's about to steer the hire. At Texas. Royal Ivy's going to wind up with that job. Mm-hmm. I keep hearing Chris Beard. Let's be real honest. Why would you leave Texas Tech for Texas? The money's going to be about equal. Because he's making a ton of money at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And he can stay until he doesn't want to stay anymore. Right. 
There's no pressure. He doesn't have to go 25 and 5 every year. He took him to a national title game. And that's good enough for them to build statues of him outside the arena. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me you're going to leave that to take the Texas job? Well, where, school, where, as a, where as a three seed, they told Chaka Smart, yeah, you should probably go interview with Marquette so we don't have to fire you. I think it's stronger, though, when you think that it's his school. That's where he went. I don't disagree with and you. Coaches We've seen to... a lot of guys over the year go, mm-mm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It hasn't worked out for a lot of guys who have taken that job because they want to be the guy to, I mean, look at Michigan football. <laughs> oh, khakis. Oh, uh, Jim Harbaugh. It hadn't really gone great for him at Michigan. But the, but the draw there to be at your alma mater, a place where you played and a place where you started your coaching career, I think that's going to matter to him. I, I don't. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure they ever get to that point. Really? Well, they interviewed Royale Ivy over the weekend. And that name has gotten hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Right. Be uh, markedly better higher than Mike Woodson. Let's put it that way. All right, so we've got our top four. We've got Mark Few, Scott Drew, Jawan Howard, Kelvin Sampson. Those are the top four. We have, we have fully agreed on the top four. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The second half of the Elite Eight coaching staff... We'll talk about them up next right here on ESPN Asheville. Market analysis. You're in the sports tank. Take all this, burn it, okay? Gasoline, kerosene, either one. Burn it. It's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. Tank hates that song with the <sighs> fire of a thousand suns. <sighs> it just triggers my old man sense. It does, and it makes me laugh. Oh, like I immediately feel old when I hear it. I don't realize how much younger I am than you oh, until that song comes on because our reactions are completely different. <laughs> Jeremy's over here acting like he's in the club, and I'm going, oh, I wish these kids would turn this music down. This is making my head hurt. Yep. I love that song. <laughs> You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. I'm the old man, and he's just a youngin', which means you got a lot to learn. You got a lot to learn, kid. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> as I throw things, in I the was studio. about to say, yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> they make computers for that. There, say if you didn't have yeah. the right things, down, <laughs> he makes fun of to, me because of my lists on paper. Yeah, you know what is this? You don't tend to drop the pins when you uh, you know type it out. <laughs> With that box in front of you, with uh, the keyboard, it has letters on it. Yeah, and, and I just don't like it. I like I like handwriting things, and I guess that makes me old. But you're gonna like the uh, the the weird news story I got coming up. It follows right along suit with that of just how old I am. We're talking about the best coaches left in the Elite Eight. We are down to the eight final teams in the NCAA tournament, and everything gets going this evening. Because you got Oregon State taking on Houston. Huh, and then we got Baylor against Arkansas. It's going to be two great games tonight. Tomorrow, I'm, I, I'm not so much looking forward. I'm looking forward to tonight's games more than I am tomorrow night's games. Would you agree with that statement? That you're looking forward to them more? I'm looking forward to tonight's games more than I am tomorrow night. No. With Gonzaga and USC. I mean, Baylor-Arkansas is the best game left. 
Yes. But Gonzaga, USC has Evan Mobley and Drew Timmy, which will be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> You're not wrong there. So we've already sorted out who four of the best coaches left in the in, in the NCAA tournament are. We agree that in the top four, not in these order, Mark Few, Scott Drew, Jawan Howard, Kelvin Sampson. That's our top four. Now here's where it gets interesting. At number five, I've got Eric Musselman. Now I get that he hasn't coached as long as Mick Cronin. But I feel like when you've been a head coach in college basketball for six years and you've been, oh, excuse me, uh, yeah, six years, and you've been to the tournament four times, two different schools, and you rule the transfer market like Eric Musselman does, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to argue. I've got him as, as, as my five. Do you agree? I do. I like Eric Musselman a lot. I do as well. And he's proven, you know, in the first two years at Arkansas, he's a really good basketball coach. And he's got this team, you know, right on the cusp of the Final Four. I don't think they're going to win tonight. Would it shock me completely if they ended up winning? No. Because it's going to matter to me, or it's going to depend to me on who's hotter tonight. Because I don't know that uh, on Arkansas's best shooting night, if Baylor's defense would be enough. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas win. I don't think they're going to. That's, uh, but that's, I think it's probably within the number. That's what I'm taking. I love Arkansas tonight. You're taking right out money line. Yep. Okay. All right. For your bank usually, account's sake, usually how this goes is two of the teams that you're expecting make it mm-hmm. and two of the teams that you're not expecting make it. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way UCLA's beating Michigan. No. All right, I got Eric Musselman as my five. You agree. He's the fifth I best do. coach left in the, in the Elite Eight. Number six, I originally put Andy Enfield here, but I think Mick it's Cronin. Mick Cronin. It's Mick Cronin's spot. The fact that he's gotten this team here alone. This is a impossibly difficult job. Mm-hmm. And the fact you've gone from first... You could literally go first four to final four. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to win last night. Alabama was one of my favorite teams in this tournament. I had them losing to Michigan State in the first four. So, <laughs> so it's been the surprise of the tournament for me. That UCLA has made it this far. Now, I don't believe that they'll make it any farther than they have now, but it's hard to argue with the track record that Mick Cronin has had. At Cincinnati, I mean, he had that team winning, or or, or I'm not saying winning, but he had them competitive in the Big East when they were still in that conference. And then, of course, just ruled the uh, the, the American until he finally got the bigger job. He was the guy that year in and year out we would say, when is Mick Cronin going to get his shot at a bigger job? And I never thought it would be at UCLA, but here we are. Yeah. Do you remember when they had aspirations of hiring John Calipari? (laughs) That seems like it was about 900 years ago, doesn't it? It it does. It really does. But as, uh, you know, with, with Mick Cronin, do you think UCLA can see its 
renaissance. The hard part is that now you're recruiting against Andy Enfield. The good thing, I mean, a run like this will certainly help. It, it, anytime you have a anytime you have a brand like UCLA that's been that's fallen off, mm-hmm. and then you have a resurgence like this, it tends to help in recruiting for about two years. Andy Enfield comes in at seven. Love him, but yeah, that's. Originally, I had him ahead of Musselman, and then I thought about that and went, no, that's no. dumb. Yeah. And then, of course, we're left with Wayne Tinkle at eight. Yeah, if this Sorry, was, Wayne. If you're this not getting was out of the uh, list the tallest coaches, uh, he would have been one, but he's not. <laughs> oh, Oregon State just can't get any, uh, can't get any respect. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of the, of the Elite Eight. And we'll get to see him take on Houston tonight. Uh, and what I'm expecting is going to be a very low-scoring barn burner. If you want the lock of the night, the pick of the night, uh, take the under. Take the under on the Houston-Oregon State game. What's the number? 130. Hmm. I don't agree with you. I don't think this game gets out of the 50s. I I, really don't. I don't agree with you. All right. All right. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. It has been a really rough year on the media business. Lots of media businesses have gone under because of the lack of ad revenue coming in. And I don't think any medium has been hit worse than the newspaper industry. The newspaper industry was already on its last legs coming into the coronavirus pandemic. And according to a study by uh, UNC Chapel Hill and uh, researchers, we lost a quarter of all the newspapers in the nation. A quarter of them. That's pretty insane. At least 1,800 communities that had local news outlets uh, in 2004 were without one at the beginning of 2020. We have lost a lot. Now, there is a Kansas City newspaper that's one of these hyper-local papers. They only cover the northeastern section of Kansas City. They released a uh, their edition last week on Thursday with no front page. Just to try to send the message to their subscribers that this is what could happen if we don't start seeing more support. The bad, the bad part about it is uh, there's only about eight thousand people that saw it because that's all the <laughs> that's all the people that actually get uh, get papers anymore. I don't think you're really sending your message if uh, you're trying to send out a printed edition when most of your subscribers are not getting the paper. A blank page on the front it doesn't really land home i think like the uh like the marketing geniuses thought that it would uh they said they generated about 80 phone calls think about that they've got regular subscribers that get that still get the paper version of the paper 8500 80 phone calls came in that their front page was blank think they missed the mark just a little bit usually i tell stories about birds or squirrels or other things right here 
But this story warmed my heart, and to prove that I have one, I felt like I should tell it. An eight-year-old California Girl Scout set a record for the organization by selling 32,484 boxes of Girl Scout cookies in one year. Holy smokes. Lily Bumpus, an eight-year-old brownie who overcame a form of cancer known as Ewing sarcoma when she was a toddler, sold cookies from a booth set upside her set up outside her San Bernardino home and collected orders online, many of which were donation orders for patients at various children's hospitals in the area. That's nice. This breaks the former record, which was 26,086, which she was trailing just a week ago. She sold almost 10,000 boxes of cookies in a week. Whew. 500 of them from outside her house. That's a lot of cookies. That is. I mean, I'm going to know you were wrong. I don't like sweets. I love a Girl Scout cookie. I was getting ready to say, you've got to be on board with the Girl I'm, Scout cookies. I might cookies. have five boxes of Girl Scout cookies in our studio that are whoa, hidden, so whoa, you don't whoa, know where they are. Whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This is not fair. You're the one that's supposed to be on a diet, not me. Why am I getting punished? Well, you know, because I have to... Cheat on my diet at the studio because my wife gets mad. Ah, <laughs> uh, what what kind? I have to ask what kind because when you're talking Girl Scout cookies, everybody's got their favorite. Oh, uh, mine are the chocolate peanut butter ones. Hey, you're wrong. Uh, you, oh, excuse and me. You're wrong. Uh, what is the right one? Uh, it's the caramel delights, and it's not you're wrong. You're, or excuse me, they all, call them Samoas now. First of all, I hate caramel. Hate it. Hate it. Strange. Yeah, I don't like caramel at all. Oh, the caramel and the coconut and the chocolate and the cookie and the milk. Coconut. If you put coconut on this table with a hundred dollar bill and said I could have that hundred dollar bill, if I ate the coconut, I would slide it back and go, not worth it. What do you have against coconut? It's uh, other than it's awful. Uh, I, I would rather eat concrete shavings than than, (laughs) than coconut. Is that what it reminds you of? Is it the texture thing? No, it just tastes awful. Mm, okay. I so you're not a, a pina colada guy? No. I got a drink on a cruise one time that they put coconut flakes in, and I went, no, <laughs> no. You take that back. You you give that to somebody <laughs> without taste buds. Okay, so note to self, if I buy the Caramel Delights, Jeremy will not eat them. Yeah, those are caramel and coconut, aren't they? Yes, they oh, are. Oh, that's like the unholy trinity of awful. Oh, it's the, mo- it's the, it's the perfect cookie. Oh, it's awful. Ugh. Now you're talking about the chocolate covered. They're kind of like Reese's pieces, but there's yeah, a cookie they, inside. There's like it. a graham cracker yeah, in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Oh, oh, those are so good. good. I mean, really, is there a Girl Scout cookie that's not good? Yeah, the, the one answer you just is said. no. The one you just no, said. No, stop that. The one you just said and Thin Mints. That is by far. Now we're gonna fight because because it's a it's a battle for supremacy between Mm-mm. yes the Thin Mints are too no. easy. I don't need mint with my cookie. That's that's just weird. I don't understand why people do that. Because it's delicious. And then people are like, oh, you've never had them cold. No, I have. I've had them every way, and they're awful. How, fresh out it of the freezer. It tastes like a hockey the... puck. No. No. This is the same guy who was trying to tell me before the show started today. I don't know why we got on this cookie kick. Because we're two you were fat trying... <laughs> guys talking about Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> you were like... trying to tell me that... That the uh, uh, that 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 uh, double stuff Oreos are are are, are BS. Yeah. Well, no. why do you need that much cream? Because the cream is the attraction no, for the cookie. The cookie is the home run. No. The cream is just a little added addition. No, I will eat the cream out of the middle of it. Throw the cookie to the. Birds. I didn't even. I honestly didn't even know that they made. What would you call them? Mega stuffs. Mega stuffs. That's are the awesome. most disgusting. Disgusting concept. Uh, like two double stuffs. You take them apart and then make it one. I'll tell you That's another story stuff. about me. So good. And this is you know, honest. 
Honest truth. Okay. I've never had whipped, whipped cream in my entire life. You're insane. Because the thought of it makes my skin crawl. Why? It's light, fluffy, sweet. Ugh. It's all of the great things. Ugh. My wife will eat it right out of the the squeezy thing. Absolutely. Like, that is, don't do that. But you got to get the dairy, not the non-dairy. The non-dairy is like sent from Satan. I don't like that stuff. Ugh. It's not sweet enough. It's all, it's all gross. It's all gross. You got to have a cool whip. You must have Cool Whip in the house all the time. I'm the weirdest fat guy on planet. You Earth. are. I, I don't like candy of any kind. I really don't baffling. like. I don't like chocolate if it doesn't have peanut butter with it. Oh my gosh. Anywho, we need to move on to basketball before I get mad. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the buyout market in the NBA because we've got Andre Drummond. He has now joined the Los Angeles Lakers. We have uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. Gets bought out by the Spurs. He is now with the Brooklyn Nets. And since all of this has gone down, it's all these, you know, basically the haters of the NBA fandom saying, oh, this is unfair that all the buyout guys are just, they're just trophy hunting at this point. And that means there's no more competition left in basketball. I don't have a problem with it. And I don't understand what you're so upset about. We've been underst- doing this for a while. Oh, yeah. And I also don't understand why people don't understand that Blake Griffin's not good. Uh, you know his name, and that's it. And you know who, it, it, you know who's been the loudest critic of people bashing this move? Blake Griffin. Yeah. Who came out today and said, I've never seen public opinion change so much because all I've heard for two <laughs> years is how bad I am. And now all of a sudden I go to the Nets and I'm fantastic. Yeah. He's not good. Everybody's and screaming Lamarcus it's not Aldridge fair. is eighty six and a half years old. I mean, he's still a good player, though. He's fine. He's a defensive absolute liability. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't play defense anyway. Uh, the Nets don't. At it's all. not what they're looking I'm for. I'm going to be honest with you. By the time this is all said and done, the Nets are going to score one hundred and fifty points a game. And they're going to give up about a buck forty four, and that's fine because you know what that means? W's. I don't know if they have a plus defender on the whole team. I mean, Durant, when he's healthy, is he not a plus defender? Really? Really. I thought Kevin Durant was a, was a good defender. Kevin Durant would get manhandled by somebody my size. Okay. Because uh, he's not the strongest individual you've ever met in your life. Well, we know that. Now, the problem is that he's going to dominate you on the other side. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You know what's funny about this Nets team to me? I feel like this is the Mike D'Antoni... You know, grand masterpiece, and he's sitting here on the next to Steve Nash, like, I wanted to do this. This was my idea. You took my idea, and you're doing it better than me. I think at this point, he's just thankful to have a job that's not at like North Texas. Right. Because what was the next step for him? Uh, that That was the next step. That's his alma mater. Oh, really? And they wanted, I think they had his brother. I think his brother was the coach there, and then okay. he got fired, and they wanted to hire him. This was a few years ago when he was before he took the Rockets' job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't understand what the the outrage is. You know, Andre Drummond, he's fine. He's he's doing stuff. To me, it's just I, I mean, it just screams of I'm a fan of X team. We don't have a shot because nobody wants to come join our team. And then do what my Nuggets did. Go trade for a guy, right? Because I got news for you, they're going to be very difficult to beat. 
I mean, I have seen so many people writing on social media or on any of the big sports websites today about how it's it, it's it's not fair and it changes the competitive balance of the league and the NBA really needs to step in and do something to stop this from happening. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, why guy, would you want to do that? That's the part I don't understand. But the guy's a free agent. He can make a decision, where, go where he wants to. And how can you blame him for wanting to go to a team that he believes he's got a shot at winning a ring with? I mean, guys like LaMarcus Aldridge could have been a part of a championship team had he been on a better team. He was with the Portland Trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs after they were good. Yeah, I'll tell you a fun story about Andre Drummond. He's been in the playoffs twice. Yeah. Do you know what his combined record is in the playoffs? 0-8. It's 0-8. Yeah. He has literally been to the playoffs two times and not won one game. <laughs> right. And he's going to be an ancillary piece for the Lakers. I listened to Which, Skip Bayless earlier talking about, well, you can't play him in crunch. Of course you can't. He's one of the worst free throw shooters in NBA history. He makes Shaquille O'Neal look like Steph Curry. He's, of course you're not going to play him late. Andre Drummond is there to get rebounds and create possessions. And he does a very good job of that. Yes, he does. His, go, his, his whole job with the Lakers is we need you to get rebounds and be a large human being. The and only he's pro- tremendously good at that. The only problem is he needs to learn how to pass. Uh, he's or they, fine. Or they need to convince him to pass. He's a, he's a stat-accumulating big man in the NBA. I think he was third in the league in steals a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Solely, solely because he got attacked so often that he had a lot of opportunities to steal the ball. Right. He's fine. I, I, I'll be honest with you. The LaMarcus Aldridge... All of these buyout guys, this hasn't changed anything for me. I don't look at anything in this race any differently because of Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge. You don't look at the Nets and go, at least they're at least they're a deeper team? No. No, because you know what my big fear with Andre with uh Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge is? They're gonna, they're gonna take minutes away from Nick Claxton. Hmm. Who serves a role and deserves minutes. Right. Which they will. Hundred percent, they will. Right. I'm going to. I very rarely do I just refuse to admit that the Nets are one of those. Uh, I'm going to die on my shield. If they win a ring, it's going to be with me screaming on the other side. They're not going to. Right. And I'll be honest with you. Do you? If you had to put your doubloons on a team right now to win the NBA title, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> and I don't think you're wrong. No. I really don't. I don't. I really don't think you're wrong. You get LeBron and AD back, uh, it makes a world of difference. And they're going to be healthy. They This team will do everything in their power to hold them out until they are absolutely healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, there's talk AD may be back this week. Mm-hmm. I think it is. He's been cleared to practice. He's been cleared to practice. He could be back in game action real, real soon. But if there's even a thought that he's not 100%, you don't play him no. at all. No. You wait until it matters. It's not going to matter if the L.A. Lakers end up being the 5, the 6, the 7 seed. I don't care. You can They could fall all the way to the 10th seed and be in the play-in game. It'd be the first 10 seed ever to win, a national, or to win the world championship. They don't need it. They've done enough. Mm-hmm. And now it's just biding our time until the, play, until the playoffs kick around. And I know people don't like that. People like to, you know, we want the stars on the floor. Well, they're doing what's best for them right now. Mm-hmm. They've, got a, they've got a world championship, and anything less would be a letdown. 
Because everybody looks at the Lakers and they know. They know they're the best team in the West. Utah can have, you know, their 34 and 11 record that they're sitting with right now. And that's fine. Then go through and win the regular season. When the playoffs come, it's winning time, as LeBron put it last year. They're still the best team in the league. And this is why all of the, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are going through this. They're just trying to accumulate star power because they know they can't beat them. I don't think there's a team in the East that can beat the Lakers. I don't either. The Nets, the 76ers, the Bucks. I don't even know that. Well, the 76ers probably give them a good series. That'll probably be a six, seven game series. But I'm not betting against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 100% healthy. It is what it is. Dennis Schroeder, too. Did I say it right that time? Mm hmm. This is the number one team in the NBA. And I think everybody knows it. And frankly, I think it's all the LeBron haters that are upset that all these other teams are saying, we have to, we have to load up to beat them. So why would, I can't fault anybody for chasing, chasing down a ring. Oh, you got a couple of years left in your, you know, left in you to play. I've been bouncing around the league from team to team to team and not winning anything. Yeah, I'm going to go see if I can try to win something. I don't think you know my choice would have been the Lakers because <laughs> I I believe that they're the best team and I'd want to be a part of that. But at least Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge are they're going to go join the hot team right now. And I think a lot of the the, the betting public has gone that way, have they not? Uh, There's yes. been a lot of sway to the Brooklyn Nets since they've added those two guys, and 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 they will. Sharp money, you still the sharp money still on LeBron. Mm-hmm. But buddy, watch out for those Denver Nuggets, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, ninety two point nine FM, eight eighty AM, and fourteen hundred. Pernicious adjective having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. Now, Wicked Weed's flagship IPA, winner of a silver medal at the U.S. Open Beer Championships, isn't harmful unless you're a competing IPA. Brewed in the mountains of western North Carolina, Pernicious IPA will destroy your expectations for all others in its class. Pernicious IPA inspires you to enjoy fresh and often. Order up at WickedWeedBrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing, the official craft beer of Furman Athletics. Drink different, drink responsibly. I told you so. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400, and Jeremy told us so. Francis Nagano, <laughs> one of my favorite fighters of all yes. time, put on a clinic Saturday night to take the UFC heavyweight title from Stipe Miocic. I hate to see Stipe go out that way, but there's probably nobody in the history of sports that has worked harder to get where he is than Francis Nagano. One of your favorites of all time? Uh, one of my favorites of all time. Solely to look at where he started to where he's gotten to now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the story on Nagano? I have. Born in Cameroon, mm-hmm. literally ate out of the trash as a child, fled to Paris. He was arrested crossing borders, uh, slept on the street, and then signed with UFC in, in 2015. Super raw fighter, and now he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Yep. Uh, and if you haven't been following John Bones Jones on Twitter, he's been doing stuff. <laughs> Oh, he's been. He's you, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? No. Oh, I saw been, his initial reaction on Fight Night of "Pay me." 
uh, he has tweeted about 78 times that have now been deleted at Dana White, basically saying, cut me. You won't give me the fight I want. You won't give me the money I want. Just let me go. Wow. Oh, it's been, this has been happening for three hours now. He's now deleted them all, and he's the, the pinned tweet now says, just having faith they're supposed to bring me an offer sometime this week. Nice. Let me make a very sweeping declaration. Uh, John, I, I've always really liked you. I think you're a fantastic fighter. You do not want to do this with Francis Nagano. <laughs> he doesn't want to get in there. That right? is a gigantic human being with one of the best hooks I've ever seen. Hmm. I might have done okay on that fight. The first thing Tank said to me this morning when we walked in the office was, I think you literally called exactly within the minute how that fight was going to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, and I might have put some doubloons on it that way as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I told you so, by the way. I told you so. Because UFC is moving toward officially booking Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 3. I told you this was going to happen. Ugh. There's going to be a rematch. I'll pass. On July 10th, they're trying to finalize it for UFC 264. I think I have to wash my hair that day. <laughs> you don't need to see this again. You don't need to see Conor get embarrassed again. I'm quickly losing faith in old Conor McGregor. Fighting Dustin Poirier... I mean, it's the it's the best option he had, honestly. Mm-hmm. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. We'll be with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in the Sportsocracy. Check us out on YouTube, live from the Wicked Weed Studio, every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Back here tomorrow at 3.